It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The top story is it's party time at the Hong Kong Stadium as day two of the Rugby Sevens sends thousands of local fans wild. Barbecue lovers head for the countryside to celebrate the lifting of a two-year ban on their favourite pastime and thousands attend a vigil come protest in Seoul a week after a Halloween stampede killed more than 150 mostly young South Koreans. Thousands of fans have flocked to the Hong Kong Stadium for day two of the Rugby Sevens, traditionally the most raucous day of the event. While capacity is limited under COVID rules, supporters still honoured the traditions of the Sevens, wearing wacky and creative fancy dress costumes for today's action. By mid-afternoon, the available seats in the stadium's famous South Stand were packed, with officials having to direct spectators to other areas. This man said he was enjoying the day and was hoping it would pave the way for more big events in Hong Kong. It's good to see that this event coming back again, that's first of all. But to be honest with you, we should see more and more this kind of events in Hong Kong. I mean, you see the atmosphere, all the foundation is here in the right, in the right place. Only thing is maybe more relaxation in the, uh, you know, more and more people are getting vaccinations. So we would like to see this kind of events, more concerts. So more, you know, the young people and tourists coming. Then you see uh, these people are booming back again. You know, this, this place will be uh, the same Hong Kong. This fan said she was only sorry that friends from around the world hadn't been able to make it this time. Supporters from out of town have had to arrive three days early to complete medical surveillance before entering the stadium. She's hoping next year's sevens will be different. We have a lot of friends who wanted to join and they couldn't come because they have to travel and it's really still complicated. Need more, you know, more days to rest because of the amber code and everything. So, honestly... Next year should be perfect, but this year still so-so, I have to say. In other news, many families have been out and about enjoying the city's barbecue sites, which reopened on Thursday following a two-year ban. Since Thursday, about 200 barbecue pits operated by the government have been open to the public as part of the SAR's latest easing of social distancing measures. At a barbecue site in Taipo, this woman, surnamed Kwok, said she and her family were glad to get out and enjoy themselves. I didn't hesitate to come here because we've been stuck at home for too long and we want to go out. There's a garden at home and we usually barbecue there. But we don't want to stay at home because we've been stuck there for too long. That's why we came here today. Health officials have reported 5,111 COVID infections, including 494 imported cases. 18 more patients with COVID have died. Overseas candlelight vigils are taking place in South Korea to commemorate the 156 people who died a week ago in a crowd crush in the capital Seoul. The BBC's Nick Marsh is there. This is technically a vigil. Thousands here in central Seoul pay their respects. We've had emotional speeches and we've heard from the parents and victims as well. But really, this is a protest. This entire event here has been organised by the main opposition party, the Minju Party. I mean, I've spent the afternoon just walking around, speaking to people. Uh, they're saying things like, President Moon is responsible for the tragedy which occurred on Saturday night. The U.S. climate envoy John Kerry is calling on richer countries to step up and provide money to help developing nations reduce their dependence on fossil fuels. Mr. Kerry was speaking to the BBC on the eve of the COP27 climate conference in Egypt. The BBC's Simon Jones reports. The summit will get underway with a bleak warning from the UN. Since COP26 in Glasgow last year, pledges by governments to cut carbon have been woefully inadequate 
meaning there is no credible pathway to keep the rise in global temperatures below the key threshold of 1.5 Celsius. John Kerry said the past year had demonstrated the need to go further, faster. Because of the war in Ukraine, because of the inflation, because of the challenge of energy in Europe particularly, there are hurdles. He praised countries for developing renewable sources of energy to stop themselves, as he put it, being held hostage by a dependency on Russian gas. To the weather forecast, cloudy with a few rain patches, slightly cooler tomorrow morning with a top temperature of about 19 degrees, edging up to about 21 degrees later on. Winds will be moderate to fresh northeasterlies, occasionally strong offshore overnight. The outlook, still one or two rain patches and slightly cooler in the morning on Monday. Currently the observatory, 21 degrees, humidity at 82%. You're listening to RTHK. The time is exactly five minutes past 11. In Indonesia, the police have had to step in and end a pop concert involving a South Korean band early, after 30 fans fainted when the crowd surged towards the stage. This report from the BBC's Michael Bristow. (laughs) The crush happened during a performance in Jakarta by the South Korean boy band NCT 127, as the audience pushed forward when the performers started to hand out freebies. No one was seriously injured, but the organisers described the situation as chaos. There's a second show by the band at the same venue on Saturday, with extra security and paramedics on duty. In Indonesia and South Korea, which have both seen recent tragedies involving crowds, no one needs reminding of the potential danger of people gathering in large numbers. British police say the firebombing of an immigration processing centre last Sunday was motivated by an extreme right-wing ideology. The attack in the English town of Dover was carried out by a man in his 60s. Police say they're treating the incident as terrorism. Here's the BBC's Richard Galpin. 66-year-old Andrew Leake is believed to have killed himself at a nearby petrol station after throwing two or three crude incendiary devices at the Western Jetfoil site in Kent last Sunday. Counterterrorism police said the attack was believed to be motivated by a terrorist ideology. Tim Jake, senior national coordinator for counterterrorism policing, described it as a very worrying incident and said although nobody was seriously hurt, two people did sustain minor injuries. To sports now and back, of course, to the sevens, where on the pitch, Hong Kong saved the best for last as far as the group stage is concerned, putting surprise package Samoa under real pressure in a 31-15 defeat. The SAR took a shock lead through Seb Bryan's second try of the day and after Samoa hit back, Max Denmark scored to bring the SAR within two points at half-time. Samoa, who'd beaten powerhouses Australia and New Zealand to top Pool A, pulled away after the break, but there was time for another Hong Kong try. Danny Hicks was commentating for RTHK. No, Dooney goes for it. Seb Bryan playing scrum half out of Makwai Chung. Comes out to the left. Comes out of Harry Sayers. Jinx one. Great offload to Makwai Chung. Out to the left. This you can sing again in his final, final game in the puck competition for Hong Kong. He's got another try. The veteran, 2009, his debut. He scored a try on his debut in the sevens for Hong Kong then. He scored one to round off his career. Slaps his chest, thumps the fist in the air. Hong Kong 15, Samoa 26. What a lovely moment for Yu Kam 
The SAR play Canada tomorrow morning at the start of the knockout competition. Meanwhile, in the last pool game, Australia beat New Zealand 24-17. Hong Kong debutant Matt Kwai Chung said he was delighted to have assisted Yu Kam Singh for a try against Samoa, seeing as this is the last Hong Kong sevens for the veteran. Mac admitted he was a bit nervous at first, but settled down as the game went on. Actually, I think, I think uh, Samoa team is stronger than the same team. That's what I think, but... I think I did well. we did well then against New Zealand because we, I think we keep talking, we keep doing what we want to do. That's why we perform better than better than the game in New Zealand. Said Brian says Hong Kong knew going into the pool games it was going to be an uphill battle, but he felt the team improved over the course of the three games. We just wanted to improve each game, and we're getting closer and closer. So that game there we started really well and we can't fault the attitude but there's a few small mistakes we need to cut out. We need to perform for the 14 minutes and then we'll be in a good place. Arguably the most impressive performers of the tournament's first two days were Samoa who beat powerhouses New Zealand and Australia as well as Hong Kong to top the group of death. They face Argentina in tomorrow's Cup quarter-final. Coach Brian Lima says beating the New Zealanders was always the aim. That's what we aim for from the start of the... Uh of the tournament in Hong Kong is to, to beat New Zealand. Mm. If we beat New Zealand, we're sure enough we can beat Australia as well. And after that game against New Zealand, um, the Bulls earned the confidence. We played against New Zealand a few times. Uh, I think this is the first time we beat them. New Zealand's defeat to Australia in today's last game means the 11 times Hong Kong champions are out of cup comp- contention. To end the news of top stories once again, it's party time at the Hong Kong Stadium as day two of the Rugby Sevens sends thousands of local fans wild. And barbecue lovers head for the countryside to celebrate the lifting of a two-year ban on their favourite pastime. And thousands attend a vigil come protest in Seoul a week after a Halloween stampede killed more than 156 South Koreans. The news from RTHK.